All right, and verses 19 through 23, 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Though I am free of all men, I have made myself a servant to all, so that I could win more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, I became as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law. Not being without law towards God, of course, but under law towards Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, so that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, that I might by some means, or by all means, save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize uh, is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, this is how I run, not with uncertainty, and thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, so that when I preach to others, I will myself not become disqualified. So we kind of have two separate sections. Uh, one is kind of a conclusion of what he's been talking about so far. So in the previous chapters, um, he has, Paul's described his personal ministry choices, what he's not done, what he's given up. Uh, we've talked about what two types of liberties so far. Remember we talked about one type last week and one type the week before. Two different categories of liberties. Well, we talked about liberty and rights. Okay, so we talked about rights last week privileges. and privileges. Right, and we talked about the distinction between the two. One, God kind of expects you to give up for the weaker brother, and one is kind of if you want to do it. Um, you cannot be required to stay single because there's a weaker brother or whatever. If, it's a, if God has made it a, an actual right, by, by the definition of rights, not our kind of watered-down version where everything is a right because we're a very entitled society um, and we think everything is my right. <clears throat> but um, he says uh, uh, here he's going to kind of wrap up these rights and privileges and how he treats them in his mind. So, <clears throat> he says that he is free of all men. How is Paul free of all men? He belongs to God. He okay, he belongs to God. But he's talking here about something he's done to make himself free of all men. Okay, so he he gets on into that later. What did, what did we talk about he's done in regards to his rights? What did he given up? His right for salary. Okay, so that was one thing. So that's one thing he gave up, and what is the other thing that he had decided not to do? Marriage. Marriage. So uh, we kind of talked last week with, at the end of it, some of the, the things that, 
that can happen to you as a married person in a time of distress, right? That that becomes a pull. Um, but these two things go together. I think. I think they naturally. They're they're not just two random things that he gave up. To me, they are very connected as a person in ministry. Your family and your pay are very closely connected because why? What does your pay mean to you? You're providing for Okay. So, for men, especially, what? It's self-worth. Okay, self-worth. Men derive their self-worth primarily from their ability to provide. Right? This is why when men don't have employment for a long time, they get depressed. Right? It, it, it's, it's the ability to be what I perceive a man to be. Right? Women don't get depressed over that, typically. Women get... They do if they're single. <laughs> okay, okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That, that, that's fair because, because, because my mom raised two boys by herself. So you're right. Um, but, but typically uh, the things that affect a woman more are relationships. Uh, if uh, if relation, men couldn't, uh, we're oblivious to, uh, I, I'm not saying we're dumb. We just, we don't quite feel when relationships are a little bit out of kilter. Uh, we don't have that same barometer. <coughs> Uh, and God made it us different for, for different reasons. So, so he said, I've given up these things. These are two things that are closely connected. And Paul has given them up. And it has made him free of people. How? He's not obligated to right. please anyone. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, you're preaching this. We don't know uh, how that's going to do at your year-end review. Well, you don't pay me. Fire me. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I work down at Tents R Us, and uh, <laughs> I can work just the same. I can leave. I can pick up and go to the next town and make tents over there. <laughs> you don't like it? Let's see it. This is the gospel. I don't have a family. That is going to starve. See, see. Now all of a sudden you got these pulls. Like, if I do that, now my family is going to be impacted. We're going to. I'm going to have to sell my house. I'm going to have to go through all this stuff. We're going to have to move. I'm going to have to uproot the kids from the schools. And men go through this checklist, and we have this checklist. It's like it's right over here in the back of our mind of all the things that are going to have to happen if I do this or don't do that. And it's, it's available. It's like, and so my mind just goes through. These are all the things. Yep. He doesn't have to split his time between the other family and that. He can uh, and the there's another one. He's, he's free of all men. So he doesn't have all of those obligations. Other than to, he does have to provide for himself. Right. Um, so he's burning the candle at both ends, which he can do because he's single. And he doesn't have all of those things. but he's, he's, So he's, he's limited all of the pulls that would make him not be able to preach the gospel with full, like, no holds barred, this is what God's message is. Right? And, and that's, that is something he has voluntarily done. That's important. <clears throat> um, 
So no one's got leverage. He's eliminated leverage over himself and over his message. How was he a slave to all men? He says, I, I'm, I'm free of all men, but now I'm a slave of all men. Well, how, how in the world? If you just made yourself free of all men, how in the world are you a slave to everybody? He chooses it mm. in order to win. Okay. So he has, in his own mind, said, I owe people something. So it's not his message. In his message, he's free of all men. But in his time, he has made himself subject to other people. And in his goals, in his life's work, everything revolves around other people. All of his choices, personal choices, not gospel choices, not theological choices. All the things that don't directly have to do with his personal relationship with God are other people. Those are the two things he thinks about. And he can do that because he doesn't have those other interests. So, so he's now a slave to all men. Now I want to get into what you, uh, what you just talked about, uh, Becky. It was um, this, uh, actually several of you have mentioned it, um, this idea of, uh, of winning all people. <clears throat> so his aim is to win as many converts as possible. Right? So, how does he define this? What are his means of doing this? He kind of finds what is important to each. Mm. That's a good way of looking at that. And then he centers on that. Okay, so he finds some way, this is, this is important to their identity, and I'm going to kind of show unity, so solidarity with this important thing to them. Um, so I think that's, that's interesting. Um, that's a good way of looking at that, I like that. So, um, to a Jew... What would he do among Jewish people? Now, he's Jewish, so it wouldn't be that difficult for him. Although maybe it would be difficult because he's changed his identity a little bit. He's become a Christian. Now he's got to go back. What would he do as a Jew to gain this kind of feeling of camaraderie so that he can present the gospel? What would he do? Well, he'd probably still keep going to Okay, so he's going to the temple, he's going to synagogue if he's not in Jerusalem. Okay, so, so he probably keeps the kosher food laws. Uh, he's, you know, not going to eat, you know, whatever is forbidden. Um, he might do customs and ceremonies. He's done fasts, he's done whatever. So this is this holiday, We, you know, he's going to celebrate whatever, Hanukkah or whatever the, the, the day is. Yeah, Passover, well, certainly Passover. Um, Okay, so he might honor the Sabbath. He's like, okay, we're, I'll just teach today and we're not going to, you know. Um, <clears throat> what would he do as a Gentile? Well, he'd probably practice some of the like 
Okay, well, that's Christian. As a, he's talking about things that are free to do. In other words, you're not required Christian-wise, because he's going to do that anyway. Um, what, uh, just, uh, I'm among a group of Gentiles. The, the Gentiles are doing this. I'm doing this so that I can convert them. So they're not Christians. So what is he going to do among them? He's a tent maker, so he's in the marketplace. Okay. Possibly. Okay. So what, what behaviors? You see, he's adopting some Gentile behaviors. Okay, so, so we're, I think we're on the right track. I think he probably ate pork as a barbecue pork. I'm with the Gentiles. I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, they, they had habits, you know, I mean, he was yeah. smoking, you know, I mean, I don't know what he did, you know, to, so he basically picked up some of the lifestyle. <coughs> okay, so, so I think there, there's, so, so I don't know what holidays they had, but whatever the Gentile things were, he picked up some Gentile behaviors. Now, we need to, that, that's good, that, that, there's kind of a, a, a mix of, Things and we don't really know what they did. I don't. I haven't co- studied Gentile customs of the, you know, first century, so I don't know what they what he would have done. Um, but there are local things that people do. We always find some sort of entertainment, some sort of thing. What are the limits? Paul is obviously going to have limits. Okay, so nothing is going to interfere with the relationship with God. That comes first. So what, so what specifically would limits look like? What would he not be willing? How far is too far? Okay, so, so I'm, I went to the temple. I'm not going to go to an idol, because that, that's coming up. He's like, listen, we, we can't celebrate... We, we can't go to the temple, their temple and celebrate Athena for the sake of getting them to come over to me. That's not going to happen. All right? Okay, you're just visualizing something. Okay. Okay, so, so, so he's going to, yeah, he's not going to, whatever their custom is, he's not going bar hopping until, you know, they're, they're vomiting on the sidewalk. Right? That's not a thing with Paul. Let's talk about the Jews. What is he not going to do with the Jews? He's got to have limits with them. Well, he's not going to let them enforce some of the things they believe in that is. Okay. He's not going to let it be established that this is doctrinally correct. I'm not required to keep the Passover. That's an Old Testament thing. I'm Jewish. I do it because I'm Jewish. Heritage. I'm not required to do this. And the point at which the Judaizers go, aha, see, Paul does, he's going to cut that off. Do I do this for a reason. Remember who he's doing this with. He's doing this with people who aren't Christians. So, so the Judaizers 
the Judaizers are people who claim to be Christian but are still trying to enforce the law. So, so that's a separate group. He's not with that group. These are sincere people that he's trying to win. So, uh, so he's got limits. Now, some of these things that we're talking about are directly opposed to each other. Right? Don't eat pork and eat pork are directly opposite. So I want to look. I want to go back to chapter eight, verse thirteen, because we're going to have to kind of <coughs> maybe in, what we're talking about now is going to help us. I think maybe understand verse thirteen in a different light. He says, "Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will, uh, so that I don't make my brother stumble." Now, if he's never going to eat meat, and he's talking about certain kinds of meat, right? Uh, and he's talking about with the Gentiles, they've come in and, and, and there's the, the sacrifice to idols and there's the kosher laws. He can't give it up for the rest of his life and still be a Gentile to the Gentile, right? This is one of the things we talked about was this is a hypothetical, so, so how should I then understand this verse? Verse 13 of, eight, of chapter 8. It's whoever he's around. With, thank you. Okay, that's it. He's not, saying, he's not saying he's going to give it up because this person over here didn't like it, so for the rest of my life I'm never going to touch it again. He's saying, listen, I'm here in Jerusalem. I'm with these people. I'll, I'll never do it in Jerusalem if they're never going to be able to get over it. But when he's in Rome, he's not going to go, you know those people in Jerusalem? <laughs> like, like, they're out of sight, out of mind. That's not what he's talking about. So, so verse 13 is, is, a, is a general statement. We kind of have to take all the scriptures together here and, and come to one idea. Um, so he's, he's not saying, you know, that it, it, he's restricted in this situation way over here. When I'm a Jew... And with Jews, I, I'm, I'm acting like a Jew. When I'm with the Gentiles, right, we're in a, I'm in a different setting. I'm going to go by those things. I'm not going to hold to the rules of this setting when I'm in this setting over here. Um, okay, so, so we get into verse uh, 24, this last section, which kind of seems disconnected a little bit. Um, <clears throat> And there's, I think, a, a little bit of a transition here. Uh, but he says, um, he, he uses some, some metaphors. Um, he's going to get into sports metaphors. Um, so preachers, when, when you get annoyed that preachers use sports metaphors, Paul did it. So, um, He says, do you not know that all those who run in a race, all those who run in a race, they all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. They do it to obtain an imperishable crown, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run like this, not with uncertainty, but I fight or I box. And some of your translations will say, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body bring it into subjection so that when I preach to others, I myself should not become disqualified. What seems, does anything seem wrong with these metaphors? Or, like, like that's a strange metaphor to use. Is there anything that seems kind of, like it's not proving the point he's trying to prove? 
or, okay, that, that's always like bugged me. Like, wait a minute, only one person gets to go to heaven? <laughs> that doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> it's not like it's fitting what you're trying to say. So, but you're running your own race. You can't, you're not trying, you can't be saved for somebody else or by somebody else. You're running your own race. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're, we're going to get, I want to cover the other one first. Um, uh, um, does it, it also, to me, it sounds like he's promoting competition, right, between people. Now, our, our thing is unity. Now, competition does a lot of things. But one thing it almost never does is promote unity, right? I mean, if you've got two kids, you know this. What he's really saying is run the race like there's only one winner. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So, so he's not talking about the actualities of the race. He's saying, he's, he's talking about how you would run it if there was only one winner. If only one person got to heaven, how would you run? How would you live as a Christian if only one person could get there? I was going to say, as an Olympic runner, you know, anybody that competes in something like that, that's, that's what you do. You don't, it's not like a little hobby that you might do on Sunday, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah everything, everything is talking about this total dedication. He's using two metaphors. What is he referring to, by the way? What, what, what is... What's the overall thing that he's referring to under sports? <laughs> sports metaphors. Self-discipline. Okay, so, so that's the lesson he's teaching, but he's making use of something in their culture that they recognized. Olympics. The Olympics. Olympics. Right, which were different then than they are now. Uh, they didn't have 8,000 games for, you know, like, they, they had like only a few events. They were... Uh, depending on the time, they added and changed the, uh, the, some of the events. Like at some point, they added chariot racing and stuff. Those weren't original. But the long jump, the javelin, they had sprints, they had distance races, wrestling, and boxing. Uh, were, uh, and I think boxing was subdivided. They had two different types of boxing. One was just no holds barred, and one had a little bit more restrictions. But don't you think when they started to add some other stuff in that was trying to bring maybe another country to... Yeah, I don't... So, so right here, this... So the Olympics, they, they were in Greece, and then they didn't go for a long time. They, it's not like they've been going all the way back to B.C. Like, like they come back only a couple hundred years ago. And there's a long period of <coughs> dormancy where there's no Olympic Games. Um, and, and so, <clears throat> so he's referring to two events, the, the boxing, which is the heavy duty boxing. Um, and it was called the heavy game. It was kind of their pinnacle of the Olympics. Um, and, and what we would, what was called, um, uh, it's got a name, Dolichos, which was the Greek word for the long distance running. Now. Long distance running back then is not the marathon. The 26-mile marathon it only goes back to the late 1800s. This was a, about a 6 to 10 mile, depending on the time. Is it, like, it was one of those things that changed. 
I can tell you from running a five-mile race, which I've done, or not race, but just a five-mile thing in a controlled environment once in my life, that it felt like a marathon. So people who have run a half marathon or whatever, okay, you're laughing at me. But to, to work up to that was grueling. Like, that was agonizing. Uh, and, and, and so in that process of training for a marathon, you hit these the different markers and, and each one that you hit is really tough so um, <clears throat> so there are some significances to this to this metaphor first of all he talks about the crown what's the the, the crown what's the difference in the crown Okay, now, so, they, what, what did they use for a crown? Okay, we always talk about resting on your laurels, right, laurel leaves. Um, however, which I think isn't laurel, isn't that basically bay leaves? Am I correct in that? I think it's basically bay leaves. Isn't, isn't that laurel? I think that's different. Maybe it's a different tree. It's a... Yeah, so, so laurel you couldn't get all the time in, in all the places, so they substituted celery <laughs> or parsley. <laughs> so, because you could find that anywhere. So, so, so you think about that. Uh, so, so it's, first of all, it gets, I mean, you, have celery, you leave celery in the fridge for a little while, or, or you, you take it to lunch and you set it out and you forget to put it in the fridge at work, and it's like, oh, wilty. And it's only a couple hours. Like, you run. So, so, so it's temporary. We're running for heaven. That's the first part of this metaphor. It's the, the crown. What else is different about the crown? The quality. I mean, you, you've just run a grueling race. You get up there and he hands you celery. <laughs> At least put some cream cheese in this thing. Peanut butter. Something. Make this worth my while. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm not running. I've run five miles once in my life. I'm not doing it for celery. I did it for nothing. I, I'd, I'd rather do it for nothing than for celery. Um, You ever get something you worked hard for and it was completely disappointing? As a kid, anybody who had comic books looked in the back. It was like, save up your allowance for however long and you, you buy those stupid novelty, see, like, ah, the novelty items in the back. Uh, the, oh, there's the sea monkeys, no. Yeah, but there, 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 there was like six of them or seven of them. It's like but, a Christmas story, Ovaltine thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, but the see-through glasses, I always want. I was like, you just finished a Superman comic book and you're going to see through walls. And you get the glasses, and it's like, what a ripoff. Right? That is, that's celery. That, that, it's like, that was not worth it. It, it just wasn't worth it. I could have I gone down to the candy store and got way more out of you know, the $5 or whatever it is back then. So the quality of the crown. 
and the competition. And this is kind of the, the difficult one because we're, we're talking about you know, only one person wins. Yeah, Mark. I think it's also important to point out, and I again apologize if I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> it's, he doesn't say just run to finish the race. Right. Because you know, there's, there's, there's three kinds of people. You run and you don't finish, so you try. Okay. You run and you finish, and then there's the people that run and finish and win. Okay. So right. it's not just just try to make it to the end. Right. It's run like you want to be first. Right. There's, right. there's a big difference between running just yeah. to finish a race yeah. and nope. running to so win a race. Most, and again, and, and so that's different, I think, in, in, in an actual 26-mile marathon. You know you're not winning unless they prevent the Kenyans from competing. You're not winning. It's like, it's not going to happen. I watched, I watched that, the, the lady from Heartland in the Olympics this year. Neshota. Right. She was doing good. She was out in front and I was like, oh yeah. Here comes Ethiopia. Boom, 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 boom. First, second, she's in third. Like, you just know that's what's going to happen. You know, don't you also think like there's people that run like let's say the Boston Marathon? You know? Yeah. There's thousands of people that run it, but they can always put that on their resume that okay. run and finish. Who's the opponent in a distance race? Yourself. Yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's the mindset. You yeah. Go into a race and like, <laughs> I'm just I'm just yeah. gonna run it just for you, fun. I mean, you go into here. you go into a distance race thinking I could possibly win this. About three miles in at the most, you're like, oh that that vanished, right? I'd be like, uh, I, I'm I'm that guy. I'd be out of oh yeah, I feel great. I'm gonna hit the first turn and the you know one block later, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be agonizing. Like oh stitch oh. Right. You don't just go into exactly. a, a mild attitude or a lukewarm approach. To right. You have to be totally dedicated. Uh, we are our own worst enemy. In anything like this, I'm not going to make it. Right? You start doubting all of these different enemies. Most of these enemies come from inside your own head. Um, Let's say everybody starts off the race and they're all feeling good about it and everything, and then it's the ones that just get to the back of the pack and everyone's get the front, and that's like your life. <coughs> everybody, when things are going great and yeah. lessons are pointed upon you, it's great to have a great attitude and run that race. But as soon as things start to go south, right? Are you still <coughs> that same kind of energy, or are you going to start right. down Or you see you down. you see yourself starting to get past, and it gets discouraging. It's like, oh, now I have no chance. I'll never <coughs> catch up. Right. So, so a lot of this is about mindset. It's not about the actual one person going to heaven. Now I want to talk about the other metaphor. Because um, he talks about boxing. Now, does it seem a little strange that he uses boxing as a metaphor for a Christian? Does that, does that seem strange to you? It's like, why would you use that? Now, we, we need to understand their boxing. And they had these nice big poofy gloves, which pretty much when I, I've seen like two or three boxing matches, you know, back when Mike Tyson was the thing. It doesn't look 
that comfortable even with big poofy gloves. <laughs> I mean, they're like rubbing, like a stitching and whatever they're doing. It's like, they're like, that's blood. Those are, they're still doing major damage even with padded things. But back then they didn't. Now you've got these beefy dudes. This is the heavy, heavy weight fight. And they just wrap some strips of cloth around it. That, that, I mean, that's it. So it's like, imagine, my, imagine going, uh, getting into a ring, no rounds. You just go until there's a winner. With Mike Tyson, with a, a couple of strips of cloth around his. Are you nuts? So it was so violent that if you killed somebody in the ring, there were no legal repercussions. You compete in the games. People died regularly for this chance of glory. What? I was going to ask if that was the, that was how the, the winner was declared. Was someone well, n no, it was you gave in, you couldn't get up, or you were dead. Or some combination of the three. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, internal bleeding. What's that? So it's a high price for salary. It's a high price for glory. That's for sure. It's a different type of training than running. Mm -hmm. And what is he, how does he describe it? Your body okay. So it's that you're, 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 all right. You're doing it more extensively. Yeah. <coughs> so so he describes training. He says, I, "How do I? How does he not train?" Yep. Run aimlessly. I don't run without okay, so he's not talking about running. He's talking about boxing. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's it's the air, yeah, he's kind of mixing them throughout. He doesn't want to beat the air. He wants to beat his body. Okay, so he's not doing the shadow boxing. <laughs> he's sparring. Right? He's getting beat up. Right? So, so you've got to get your body used to taking those kind of blows. When, uh, when people train for special services in military, you're going to be a Navy SEAL, you're going to be Army Ranger, whatever the other Corps versions of that are. It's grueling. It is inhuman, some of the stuff. And yes, sometimes people die in the course of that training. Yeah. I was going to say, even like, our, our body, he's, he's using our body. Yeah. Very good example. Because you work with your hands, or you work, or you know, walk a lot. You build calluses. You build up tolerance to whatever you're doing, so okay. it doesn't hurt as much the next time you do it. And right. It's harder and harder and harder, sure. so that you get used to doing something. Yeah. And then you know he's in part you know saying along with that training, yeah, it hurts now. Eventually, it will be a lot easier to take because you're used to it. And you have built up a, a resistance to that. Yeah. You look at all the things Paul went through. Mm -hmm. All right. Stone, he was beating rods, he was flogged, and he survived. Yeah. So he did buffet his body in okay. order to be able to just physically survive what he went through. Okay. Sure. And, and, and to do so without giving up 
you know, uh, without slighting the gospel, without, again, uh, I'm in this tough situation. And he's been there. Like, he knows what to expect. This is what I'm here for. And I'm doing this so that I can receive uh, that, a, a, a genuine, true reward. Okay, sure. That, that was ultimately what it was about. And he was willing to endure awful things. Not only did he endure them, he actually bore the scars. Yes, he did. Sure. I mean, he was stoned. I mean, you don't get hit with rocks with the intent to kill you and live a normal life the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, like, we act like he walked up and got up. And like, okay, he did, he got up. And whether there was something miraculous in, in that story or not, the fact is that God doesn't say, well, you'll never have any repercussions. Like, I, I'm sure that left a mark. Right. Oh, and he, yeah. So, so there, he he talks repeatedly about physical consequences to his ministry, but he's like, it's temporary. It's a temporary <coughs> crown. It's a temporary race. It's a temp- all that is temporary, like physically. But I'm I'm going for you know I'm I'm going for something permanent. So I'm keeping the permanent crown in place. I'm I'm keeping that long term spiritual thing that that that. That lasts longer than, than this body. Uh, so he leveraged his body into something permanent, which I think is interesting. Um. So he says... He kind of, like you say, he's kind of mixing the two metaphors in. So let me just conclude. He says, so run. Right? So, so the idea is run in the same way as. Um, that you give it every ounce of energy. That you... Um, Pace yourself to get to the end. Right? You don't sprint out and and don't have enough. Notice he doesn't say you have to win the crown. Yeah, or yeah, run yeah. It's run as though you were the same mindset that you would have. Right. 